Better goth name, Samuel Graves or Thomas Paine? Pick a side, stupid. Welcome to Pick a Side, Stupid, a comedy debate show that covers the important issues. Now, here's your host, Sean Carter. Hey everybody, welcome to Pick a Side Stupid. This week we're talking about the Revolutionary War and I have uh, my co-host Sarah Morgan with me. <laughs> Hello. Uh, along with our guest this week, Rob Crean. Thanks for having me, I appreciate it. Yeah, of course, thanks for coming. And Rob is uh, a tour guide in the downtown Boston area. That's right, yeah. Uh, and it's a very historic neighborhood. Yeah, so you have some knowledge of the... The American Revolution, yeah? Definitely, yeah. I know a lot about downtown Boston, and <laughs> yeah. I know a little bit about Massachusetts uh, as a whole, and the further it goes up from there, the worse my knowledge gets. But I think I've got a, I've got a pretty good handle on the Revolutionary War. Sure. I think, you know. What, what's like, a, I'm not, I don't have a good handle on it. Mm-hmm. I, Me neither. <laughs> you might be, I wonder if you're even worse I'm much worse than I'm I am. from Tennessee, because, yeah. originally, mm-hmm. and we... Kind of skimmed over that in history. <laughs> we don't care what the Yankees were doing. Nope. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, here in Massachusetts, it's kind of like part of yeah. what you learn in school already. Yeah. So I know a little bit, but what? What? Tell me something that I might not know. Um, well, uh, kind of like the the you know on the tour, the two like kind of gotcha things are the. The Parker's Ride story is pretty, you know, we know about it from this poem, mm-hmm. and the poem's pretty inaccurate, and so there's, you know, a lot of stuff about that that is wrong. Like, for instance, uh, in the poem, it talks about the landers, it says one of by land, two of by sea, and uh, it's actually two of by the Charles River, uh, and it, it's that instead of sea for a variety of reasons, but the joke in the tour is that uh, it's... Longfellow, the author, realized that not that much great stuff rhymes with river, so we won't see instead. <laughs> sure, yeah. Um, but also, the Charles River is like it's a it's a brackish tidal river, so it, you know back then they might have even considered it the sea. But it doesn't really matter because the poem was written like a hundred years later, uh, and actually has more to do with the Civil War than the Revolutionary War. Oh, um, yeah, because it's like you know Longfellow wrote it to get people excited for the Civil War, uh, and. It worked, but now like there's all this kind of wrong information about it. And then the other thing is the Boston Massacre. Um, oh, this will be fun. Uh, how many people do you think died in the Boston Massacre? Oh, uh, I would say... Oh, go ahead, Sarah, because I... I, I, think I was I... going to say 12, but this is based on a painting that I saw once. Okay, <laughs> okay I would say five. That's a, 12 is a good guess. Five is, is right. Okay. Oh, wow. Yes. Uh, but what? I only I only guess that because people sent in questions for the show this week, and oh, right. one of them was like, "Was it worth starting a war over, or is five people dying even a massacre?" I was going to say, "What constitutes a massacre?" Sure, <laughs> yeah. Well, there's no real definition for it, but uh, like, there's no solid definition. But usually, it is uh, an event where there's a lot of uh, a lot of uh, death, uh, you know, you know, murders of, of a lot of innocent people, mm-hmm. unarmed people. Oh, that makes sense. And so the people in the Boston massacre, uh, there's only five of them, and they were. They were arguably armed. Uh, they were arguably armed? I mean, they had, like, you know, 
rocks and stuff. <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah. So they were yeah. unarmed. They're unarmed, but they they if were. If you can pick up your aggressive. weapon off the street, yeah. you're unarmed. Oh, you're they unarmed. Sure <laughs> were throwing. I'm sure parts of the street. The street was stones. So, like they they were throwing the street at <laughs> you know, at these soldiers. Um, you're breaking two laws. You're destroying, destroying public property and yep. attacking uh, the British soldiers. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. So that, that that's like one of the, there's a couple of things, but oh, and, and also lately it's been like now they now a lot of people say well actually six people died in the Boston massacre because there was one guy there's eleven people uh, aside from the, the five that died eleven people are injured one of those guys uh, sustained injuries that later like seven years later uh, led to his death okay. so he died from complications of injuries he received in the Boston massacre but died seven years later so. Does he count as a as someone who died uh, as a result of? Because you know, the five people die, three of them die right away. Two of them, uh, two of them die the next day. So yeah. that's that a good counts. question. Does that count? What's but the statute then, of limitations? Yeah. Sarah, what do you think? Does it count? <laughs> I would say no. You don't think it counts? I think it counts. I don't think it counts. Um, <laughs> I feel like if, it, if, it, if they die after the... If the whole point of this thing is that it's a cause of a war, if, they, if the person dies after the war has already started, yeah. <laughs> then it doesn't count. Whatever you're like looking back on and you're like, man, I don't know if that was all worth it over five people, but then seven la- years later you're like, oh yeah. Six people. Six uh, people. Yeah. <laughs> we had to do point. this. <laughs> this. Now I'm glad that we did this. Yeah. yeah. That was the limit. It was five and six. <laughs> yeah. So, so when you're giving these tours, you dressed up and everything. Mm-hmm. You're you're yep. in the garb of the day. Yeah, I dress up as a as a colonial person oh, with a boy. with a tricorn hat. And uh, what um, else does that uh, consist of besides the the horn? Uh, the hat. Uh, the hat. So I wear you know, like a you know breeches, like short pants and uh, long socks, and uh, a like a it's called a, a waistcoat, but a like a vest. Sure. And then like a long jacket. I have a friend who's very afraid of people dressed in period costume. Oh, yeah. Really? She, yeah, she works in um, right on the edge of Chinatown, but she is, oh, like, yeah. very freaked out by people in period costume for some reason and will, like, cross the street to not have to. No kidding. Yeah, I don't know why. It's... Wow, yeah. I, go to, I definitely go to Chinatown a lot when I'm in costume. Do you ever go down and give people shit at the Tea Party Museum? No, I never go. <laughs> it's kind of far away from where I work. I mean, it's, you know, it's probably, like, a... 15 minute walk. I would really like it if you guys yeah. had like an ongoing rivalry. I'll there's, be honest. Mm-hmm. There's a few people that work for both, uh, or a few people that have, anyways. I think there's one person that works for both now. Yeah. But we used to have a couple people. It's a different, it's, it's, a, it's kind of a different thing. Like we wear the yeah. same costumes, but it's pretty, it's kind of a different type of a job. Sure. Because uh, they're like, they're not, you know, they're inside and they're, they're, they're more scripted. They're encouraging rebellion. They're encouraging rebellion. Well, we're—I mean, I guess we're encouraging rebellion <laughs> to the same extent. Sure. I don't know. You're not actively telling people to to throw things, right? No, <laughs> no. They do throw stuff. I think from the from the Tea Party Museum. But they do, they, but it's just styrofoam. Yeah, it's styrofoam. Yeah, and they pull it back up. They just throw styrofoam into the ocean. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's attached to a rope, so they pull it back in, so they yeah. can reuse it for the next tour. Oh. Not. I've never done this. I should go. Yeah. Check it out. I That's guess. the one thing I remember really well from visiting Boston when I was like ten. I was going to my mom loved it and I yeah. hated it. And that was a different Tea Party museum though. Because yeah, because it burned museum, down, right? Yeah, it got struck by lightning. Oh, that's what down. happened. Crazy, oh, wow. Yeah. Some people think that it was it was burned down on purpose, but the official story is it was struck by lightning. Interesting. That's the official story. Oh, weird. Uh, all right. What else do we need to know about the Revolutionary War, Sarah? What did we talk about the other night? Oh, we won. We did win. Important. 
Alright, that was Rob Crean. He is a tour guide in downtown Boston and also a comedian who runs a great show at Great Scott in Austin every Friday night. So if you live up in that area, Austin, Brighton, that sort of neck of the woods, you should check him out Friday nights at Great Scott. If you are, however, in the Quincy area, down on the South Shore, maybe you want to come by Maggie's Lounge, grab a pizza, it's delicious, great beer selection, and check out a debate show. That is what is up next, so enjoy. Hey everybody, welcome to Pick a Side, Stupid! Wow, okay. Thank you. Um, So... This week, we will be talking about the Revolutionary War. Specifically, the American one. (laughs) Because I realize there's more than one that has happened in uh, the past. So, this will be a fun debate. I think we got a lot of really good questions that I'm excited to ask tonight. As you'll see, there there are our categories tonight. so you can, either, you can either ask for a category about Rev Celebs. These are famous people, people that are known from the Revolutionary War. Could be somebody like John Adams, Thomas Jefferson, right? Paul Revere, anybody along those lines? Rev Celebs. Sexy Times. These are questions that are going to be about fucking, basically. Uh, Frontlines. That has to do with uh, battle. Like, if you were in battle, what would you do in this situation? Uh, fashion, pretty self-explanatory, like what kind of clothes you want to wear and things like that. And myths and legends, this is our largest category. <laughs> Almost all our questions fall under this category. These are questions that I didn't research to see if they were true. <laughs> If you decide to go first, you get to pick the category, okay? Uh, And then I will ask you a question about that. When you go in the first uh, instance, you have one minute to make your case. Then you hand the mic to the second person. They have a minute to make their case. And then you get a 30-second rebuttal. And then the other person gets a 30-second rebuttal. And then I, I will choose a winner. I am the only judge... And when I'm right, I want you guys to chair. Give that a shot right now. But, you know, I think that you guys, your voices should be heard. I'm not King George, you know. I think you should have a say. So when you think I'm wrong, I want you guys to boo me. Give that a shot right now. Okay, very good. So, I don't know what you're saying. Lobster vac? Yes. Lobster back. Oh, I thought you said vac, like a vacuum cleaner. And that was, like, how much lobster are you eating in your house (laughs) that you need a vacuum cleaner specifically for that? (laughs) So... (laughs) All right. The first debate tonight will be between A.J. O'Connell and Molly Dugan. (laughs) 
Okay. AJ, do you want to go first or second? I'll go second. Okay. Uh, Molly, what? Fashion. <laughs> okay. Your question is from Sarah Francis. She asks, well, I guess this is about wearing stuff. Uh, <laughs> she asks, instead of tar and feathering loyalists, the Daughters of Liberty used to use molasses and flowers. Uh, which would you rather choose for your fate? So would you rather be tarred and feathered or hit with molasses and flowers? Okay. Uh, you know, Sean, Thomas Paine did not write common sense for me to have to justify something so stupid. <laughs> molasses and flour is clearly the preferable choice of being humiliated and beaten in public because it smells better. <laughs> and quite honestly, when you're done, you can take it off and you could make some gingerbread cookies that you could then feed your rural family with. Pretty sure if I get tarred and feather, I get to die, <laughs> which is always fun, especially if you live in the 1700s. Kill me. If I have to be a British person living in America, a tax collector in the 1700s, kill me. I don't want to just turn into breakfast. Just kill me. So, tar and feather, I think it'll kill you. It's really hot. It's hot. I want to point out how selfish that was. <laughs> because if you are dead, you cannot feed the 14 children that your wife birthed to work your farm. But if you are covered in molasses and flour, you can. <laughs> I don't have a farm. I'm a tax collector. That's why they're killing me. <laughs> As well they should. I deserve this. It is a selfless act for every tax collector to die. That is for the good of the people. Kill me. I hand the win to Molly Dugan. All right. All right. Next up, everybody, please welcome Bill McMorrow and Sarah Francis. Okay, Bill, do you want to go first or second? Lobster back me. First so, or second? Uh, first, please. Okay, what category would you I'm like? Like, uh, oh, join or die. Okay, that's not a category. <laughs> I want to talk about Hamilton. Give me the one Hamilton question that you uh, have. Your Hamilton question. Is it is... actually my. Uh, uh, I broke it. Your question uh, is from Tyler Derniak. I don't know. Yeah, I don't even know what. He asks. This is like, this is Would like you women. rather have an HBO miniseries starring Paul Giamatti based on your it. life like John Adams or a hit Broadway musical like Alexander Hamilton? Well, it would, I'd take that one, but it would have to be Hamilton because there's no other hit Broadway musical like Hamilton. It is... <laughs> It is its own thing, baby. There's singing, there's dancing. I think there's dancing. I'm pretty sure. I've never seen it, but I've listened to it a lot. I've listened to it too much, you know? Like a 15-year-old me 
know how much 47-year-old me enjoyed Hamilton? We would, we would have words about it, you know? He'd call, me, he'd call me a fag, to be honest, and then he'd probably throw up on me and then cry about his dead mother to me, and I'd adopt him. I'd adopt him because I love... I, I was going to say I love little kids, but that would that's not something you want. I want to do that one. What, what was it? Hamilton. Hamilton. I want to be in Hamilton. Seriously, if anybody can get me tickets, fucking do it. I'm sick. It's my one wish. And even if I'm not sick, I could get sick. Time. Bill, you're not getting Hamilton tickets. It ain't happening. Uh, so I would pick Paul Giamatti, of course, because who the fuck wants to watch a musical about politics with hip-hop, right? I'd rather watch a long miniseries about a short guy with no personality who's slightly balding and farms, right? That's what that entire miniseries was about, was like a guy just farming and his wife telling him how he was wrong, correct? <laughs> I would rather do that, guys, way, way better than Hamilton, because that's way too hip for politics. And you, Bill, and you. Oh, oh, please don't modulate the key, then not debate with me. If you knew what Hamilton was, you'd understand that. Sorry, I got worked up. I got worked up. It's a good line. It's a good line. Listen, I'll stop taking my hot medicine right now if somebody can get me Hamilton tickets. I will fucking go into septic shock within that fucking Hamilton. It's not even here till like September. I could be dead by September if you could get me orchestra seats. I'll die for orchestra seats. Anything in the balcony, though, I'm just going to get, you know, peckish. Time. So, Paul Giamatti, I'm going to give one last try, guys. I know that everybody in this audience loves Paul Giamatti, so we would love to see... Yeah, yeah, that one guy right over there, Owen. Thank you. Who wants to sit there for five days and watch two hours each time? Yeah. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, I gotta hand the wind to Bill McMorrow. Thank you. I just wanna say that I get it, but not even Paul Giamatti loves Paul Giamatti, so. <laughs> All right. Next up, everybody, please welcome Ben Quick and Owen Linders. <laughs> Ben, do you want to go first or second? I want to debate anybody other than Owen Linders. <laughs> <laughs> Take that, rest of the room. But I, I, I will go second. Okay. Owen, what category would you like? Uh, no. I mean, maybe. Oh, let's go with uh, Rev Celebs. Okay. And, uh, for photos, should I clear frame with this? Just eke it out. Your question. Right. <laughs> what up, Wilbur? <laughs> Your question uh, is, would you rather be smart enough to draft the Declaration of Independence like Thomas Jefferson uh -huh. or have the guts to sign it real big like John Hancock? Oh, man. Dude, fucking John Hancock all the way. As a proud, illiterate American, <laughs> I have to say that Thomas Jefferson was a real goddamn nerd. You know what I mean? He got in there and he was all like, blah, da, blah, da, blah, 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 blah. 1776, the musical. Real boring. Not like Hamilton. And then, 
At the end of all of it, John Hancock comes in like the original Banksy, and he's just like, John Hancock. And then like he just like left the rest of the space for like Thomas Paine and Francis Marion or other people who I may have just made up right now. <laughs> Look, I didn't go to college, uh, and, I'm not, and I'm proud of that. You know why? Because I've got an art degree in the school from, of hard knocks from Western New York. Uh, but... I got to say, John Hancock all the way. And if you're going to learn all those words, you shouldn't be f- forming a country because you're a fucking nerd. Okay? All right. John Hancock is known for nothing other than a giant signature. That's your entire legacy is a giant signature where people were constantly making puns about your last name. My last name is Ben Quick. I've heard everything in the world, and there is a lot more to life than just hearing someone play on it. If that was my legacy, I'd have killed myself by now. Also still could happen. But the point is, the point is, be known for actually doing something, making substantive change, not being all flashy and, tr- and Trumpy and just trying to boist and walk around and be all substance, no style. That's cereal box shit you're arguing. Something that looks flashy, looks great, I really want it, tastes great, and then you chew it and swallow and realize it has no nutritional value. <laughs> Be Raisin Bran, my friend. Be boring, be simple, and write the fucking Declaration of Independence and let this country exist. I rest my case. Yeah, no, he makes, like, a lot of great points. Uh, (laughs) Local suicide advocate Ben Quick has pointed out that you know, writing down all those words to form this great country is very uh, important. But if there's anything that is the most important or the most American, it is taking credit for all of that. And <laughs> as he pointed out, Thomas, or sorry, uh, John Hancock was like the Donald Trump of his day. And I guess you could say John Hancock was the first to make America great again. All right! Time! Oh. <laughs> Did we all as a room just cheer because someone else already made America great again? Is that where we're at? All right, cool. Just making sure we weren't cheering for the wrong thing that my Facebook would agree with. Uh, Point is, uh, I'm pretty sure only one of those two men later went on to be a president. Uh, So maybe if you actually want to have a future, you should be known for more than a big fucking signature with swag because clearly Thomas Jefferson was a great leader. He's on our currency I can hold him, and I can... Time. Thank you. All right. I hand the win to Ben Quick. Okay. All right. And the final debate of the first round. Everybody, please welcome Zach Jones and Craig Martin. Zach, what category would you like? I'll, I'll go second. Oh, I mean, yeah. Okay, so Craig, what category would you like? Um, we'll go with uh, we'll go with revolutionary celebs. Your question is from Chloe Cunha. Okay. She asks, better goth name: Samuel Graves or Thomas Paine? <laughs> Definitely. Definitely Samuel Graves. Because Payne's not even spelled right. Pain, Payne's not spelled like the real pain, the agonizing pain of Samuel digging his own grave to sleep in 
on Friday night while he listens to shitty goth music. It's not even spelled, it's not the correct kind of pain. It's not the emotional pain. The pain that really drives you to paint your fingernails black. The paint that drives you to dig your own grave and sleep in it on Friday night with your pet, whatever the fuck goths have for pets. Pain is not spelled right. It's definitely graves. So uh, Thomas Paine is very popular among libertarians. And libertarians are basically goths who read one more book. Uh, <laughs> so Thomas Paine is a great goth name. Samuel, if it was Samuel Grave, then it would be like, oh, but Graves, like multiple? Like that's not, like multiple graves isn't like a personal sadness. That's just like a, a mass, like, like that's just a job. You're a grave digger. You're working. You have a, an income. That's, there's nothing to be sad about digging graves. Thomas Paine, that man felt some real pain. He wrote that that the uh, tree of liberty must be watered with blood. That is some 13-year-old mall goth shit right there. (laughs) He dug his own grave. Weren't you listening? He didn't have a job digging graves. It was his own grave, so he could sleep in it. There's nothing more goth than that, at least from the books that I've read. And, the, it, you know, Thomas Paine, he read that one extra book. He went beyond goth. He's disqualified. You're like the reigning champion here, and you completely disqualified yourself. I'm sorry. If he dug his own grave, he would just be grave. But he's graves. He had to... Dr- dig a ton of graves. How shitty of a goth is he that he couldn't just dig one and stick with it because life is sad. If you dig multiple graves, that means you have hope that the next grave is going to be better than the, ne- the last one. That's not very goth at all. Goth would be to dig one grave and be like, this is me now. All right, I got to hand the wind to Zach Jones. Okay. Um, All right. Next up, everybody, please welcome Molly Dugan and Tyler Derniak. All right. uh, Do you want to go first or second, Molly? Uh, Second. Okay, Tyler, what category would you like? Uh, I'm going to go with sexy times. Okay. Only one question left in this category. And the question is from Chloe Cunha. (laughs) She asks, better name for a porn parody. The British are coming, and it's spelt, well, you know how it's spelt. (laughs) Or the Boston Tea Bagging Party. Picture it, midnight, Boston. An erect Paul Revere stands at the banks of the Charles, staring at the church. And he looks up, and he's waiting for the signal. 
and a young buxom blonde is at the top, and she lifts up her shirt, and he says, there they are. One if by land, two if by sea. And he sees them, and he knows that they're going by the sea because those British are about to get wet and sopping. And he runs to Concord and tells the Minutemen, it's time to get your hard arms. We're going to have a fight out here tonight. So they gather up on the banks of the North Bridge, and they're just... All right, there are two things that are going to make a woman come. A British accent and thinking about horses. <laughs> and men with British accents riding those horses to your defense, depending on how you see that. Also, we know from years and years and years of interacting with men that the people who watch a lot of porn are not Mensa scholars. <laughs> and therefore, we need to break it down to basics. This needs to be very simple. While I appreciate my opponent's fan fiction, it is, <laughs> it is too in-depth and too complex a narrative. And also, Paul Revere wasn't there. But that's just an aside. It's dawn in Lexington. The Redcoats are surprised by the strapping American colonists who appeared before them. They didn't know they'd be there, but they're kind of happy to see them. And they stare at each other. The tension's building. And you can hear the snare drums. They knew this day would come. They knew that one day the British would come. All right, so as aroused as I am, uh, (laughs) I have never been more confident in how right I am. (laughs) And quite honestly, I think those two things go hand in hand. What I'd like to leave you with is that I don't think he fundamentally understands what happened at the Boston Tea Party. And more importantly, the British are coming would just be hilarious to keep saying over and over again. Thank you very much. You were the Boston Tea Party. No. I mean, it doesn't really matter because you went over your time to say coming, Tyler. So, (laughs) got to hand the win to Molly Dugan. (laughs) I gotta say, you guys. All right, uh, next up, everybody please welcome Kevin Harrington and Molly Dugan. (laughs) Kevin, would you like to go first or second? Uh, I'll go second. Okay, Molly, what category would you like? Rev celebs, please. Okay, your question is from Zach Jones. He asks... What's the worst Revolutionary War job? Having to ride around on a horse telling everyone the British are coming or having to sew a flag? 
I'm going to ignore the gendered implications of this question and talk about how tiny my hands are. <laughs> if I had to sew a flag, and they were very large flags because they had to be seen four miles, I would have many blisters and calluses, and then I wouldn't be able to do all of my other womanly duties. And that would be exhausting and tiresome for everyone around me because then I would complain about it incessantly. And that everyone would hate me more than they already did, even though I made a huge fucking flag. <laughs> Riding a horse is glamorous. Your hair will dry a lot faster in the wind. You can get a tan. It is an enjoyable thing where you bond with the beast because you probably didn't have a pet because you were lonely. And so you had a lot of time by yourself to think, especially while you're sewing, and then you start to go insane. Uh, I think touching on that last part, the insanity would not be a perk that I would like to have with a job. Um, also, uh, riding around a horse uh, is just a shit. Uh, it, it's a car that constantly shits and pisses everywhere. Um, they're irritating. They're mean. They like to bite. Um, they're they're just they're you know they look cute and you think it's a fashion you know like it's a status symbol. But uh, if you could just stay at home, that's like having a job where you could telecommute during the revolution. I don't want to have to go to work. I want to sit at home and fuck around and play my wooden Xbox and make a fucking flag. I don't want to walk around on a horse that might break its leg. Then you got to shoot the goddamn thing. They probably cost like, I don't know, $5, which is a lot of money in the revolution. Take a flag. It's easy. It's glamorous. Horses smell, and they shit everywhere, and they're mean. Flag, Time. it's a blanket. Speaking of shitting everywhere, mean, gross, smelly, let's talk about how easy it is to be a man in the Revolutionary War. All right? I am, I am tired. These nimble, nubby fingers. Do you know how big those... Those things are that you have to sew a flag with, they're enormous. I'm already milking a cow and birthing 14 children. Time. Good luck holding reins with your tiny stubby fingers. You're going to get thrown from that goddamn horse and trampled. And now you've got broken legs. you got 16 kids at home that you got to take care of. If you just got a chance to knit a flag, you'd have five minutes alone. Fuck those horses. And their giant Yankee cocks just swinging along while you ride it. And it's you're the one that's being degraded by that fucking creature. Horses suck. Time. They killed my father. <laughs> Hey, I hand the win to Molly Dugan. There's just one debate left. <laughs> yeah. So we don't have a special guest tonight, so I'm going to have our first place scorer come up to, yeah, <laughs> to judge this. Um, so, Zach Jones, could you help us out? Sure. Okay. These are, these are my choices of questions here? Yeah, we only have two questions. Oh. Oh, wow. Hamilton won. Okay. <laughs> oh, do you want to go first or something? Uh, I will go first. Okay. All right. Your question is, it's from me, but it doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> Zach Jones! 
Would you rather be given liberty or given death? There's no other context. I mean, that's the famous Patrick Henry quote. <laughs> give me liberty or give me death. No, I'm aware that's your of choice. That. <laughs> so, which one? Which one would you rather? Yeah. Okay. I guess I'll go liberty. <laughs> I think you know. I'm just. I I uh, I haven't turned thirty yet. I thought I turned thirty this year, and I didn't. And. Uh, <laughs> It was a surprise to both me and my family. <laughs> and so I just think I'm not ready yet. Uh, let's get into it. I'm not ready for death yet. You know, uh, I've had a couple bad driving incidents where I thought maybe I was there, but I wasn't. So I think just to have the freedom to, to keep uh, getting closer to 30 would be the ideal. <laughs> keep driving recklessly and living my best life. All right, so uh, when Benjamin Franklin said, give me liberty or give me death, uh, he clearly wanted the liberty. Uh, And so, uh, I mean, if you want to be like Benjamin Franklin, Molly, then uh, all right, good choice. But I prefer more to be like the goth boy Thomas Paine, give me death. Back to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> this was a confusing one. This one felt like it should have had some context. Uh, <laughs> like, what kind of liberty? What kind of death? You know, there's some there's some extenuating factors. If it's like a Revolutionary War era death where it's, you know, just inevitably because a limb blew off and then it rotted and then you died, you know, that's not the way I want to go. I don't think that's the way anyone wants to go. Um, Time. (laughs) It was Benjamin Franklin that said that, right? Patrick Henry. Oh, what the fuck? (laughs) Oh, my God. I wish I was dead. (laughs) Somebody, please give me death. It's so embarrassing. Um, And also, what's more liberating than death? Okay, good night. (laughs) All right, well, I I feel like the three of us have been given death on this stage. (laughs) So since we're dead, I got to go with liberty. Molly Dugan wins! All right, well, lots of fun. Uh, What happened to the lobster vac? (laughs) If somebody doesn't invent a lobster vacuum by the end of the month, I'm going to be disappointed in all of you. We'll be back again next Friday at 7 p.m. Good night. Oh, next week, by the way, next week we're going to be talking about weddings. That was Pick a Side, stupid. If you liked what you heard, please rate, review, and subscribe to the show. Hey, thanks for listening. We'll be back again next Friday night at Maggie's Lounge in Quincy, 7 p.m. with more debate. 
If you want to find me, I will be hosting an open mic at Sally O'Brien's every Monday in Somerville at 7.30 p.m. Every Wednesday, I will be at the Poor House in the basement, half-price chicken night, free comedy. 8 p.m., the Poor House, Wednesday night. Friday nights, obviously, Maggie's Lounge, 7 p.m., debate show. Special thanks to Ben Quick for doing the audio this week. Thanks to Rob Crean for being our special guest. And congratulations to Molly Dugan, our champion this evening. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.